Hello, and welcome to LiveRead LA's Industry Insider Podcast. I'm Tim Schilberger, founder, director, and host. As you may know, about every six weeks, we select two scripts from those submitted to our contest. Then, amazing professional actors read up to 30 pages on stage in Los Angeles in front of an audience and an industry insider. When we're done with the reading and the feedback that follows, I do a Q&A with our insider, and that's what you're about to hear. Kate Adams is awesome. Smart, talented, and a production executive at Warner Brothers Pictures. Pretty much every scriptwriter at any experience level dreams of working for a studio. Studios make the big movies that get seen by the most people all over the world. And if we're all being honest, we write because we want to tell stories to as many people as possible. It's okay. You're allowed to dream big, just like you can sometimes eat donuts and fast food. We're human. So Kate's appearance gave me a chance to see if that long-held fantasy is still possible. And also, what exactly does working for a studio look like in today's blockbuster comic book era? For a candid peek inside the studio walls, may I present Kate Adams, production executive at Warner Brothers Pictures. Hello. Hello. Thank you so much for coming. Oh, my pleasure. So uh, I'd like to start first with um, how did you find your niche in this industry? What was your path into where you are now? Uh, uh, I don't know that I found it so much as I just did, like persevered. Did you? Yeah. I, I like to compare it to like keeping my hand on the car the longest. Um, <laughs> uh, no, so I mean, I am from Nashville. I didn't study film, I but I've grown up loving movies. Um, I studied Italian and finance and thought I was going to go into banking and then realized I hated banking. Um, and so I... How did the Italian play into the banking thing? Was it gonna nothing, be? I just liked it. Oh, okay. You, know? you weren't going to do Italian banking. No, <laughs> that wouldn't have gone on very well. I no, think. probably not. Um, They're not known. For unless I was doing it for the mob. Right. Uh, <laughs> In Nashville. <laughs> in Nashville, I have to tell you about you. You're in Yeah. Uh, no, so I moved out here and started interning for producer Linda Obst. Um, she hired me part-time. I worked as an assistant for various other female producers. And then I've been at Warner Brothers for six years now, started as an assistant, and uh, again, persevered, you know, hung on, um, and worked very hard, obviously. Um, uh, and then just in terms of like my niche and what I like, I love big movies, I love blockbusters, I like blockbusters that make you think, but also have heart and good characters. Um, so you like two movies? Hmm? You like two movies in the last ten years? No, I'm not. <laughs> I think that's unfair to blockbusters. It is. Um, there are some that have been very good. I will admit that most of my favorite movies have been independent recently. But I still like big movies. Um, well, when, when did you make, I mean, you're doing banking and Italian and finance, and you're like, mm, this is boring. When did the movie thing hit? When oh, you're like, I'm going to move to LA and get involved in movies. I, and then why this side of the, how, okay, how did okay. you get here? I did a lot of theater. Like, produced, directed, um, like, was constantly making theater in college and knew I didn't want to do theater because I wanted to reach a broader audience and I like the power that happens through um, mass entertainment whether it is you know a good television show that makes you all go to the water cooler afterwards and be like oh my gosh did you see that last episode of Game of Thrones it was crazy um, or like 
the ability that cinema has to make you be odd, you know, and just say like, wow, that was amazing. Whether it's something that is visually spectacular or the fact, I mean, I grew up watching all of like Back to the Future and, and Star Wars and I'm a child of the 80s. So like uh, Spielberg, Lucas, uh, like all of it. And I love fantasy. I love worlds. So like Hobbit, Lord of the Rings, like I'm there. Like, um, and so I, I kind of, to put, this is better. This makes more sense. I studied Italian cinema. So oh, okay. I wrote my thesis on films, Italian films, um, and kind of realized through studying it that there was a business because I'm from Nashville. I didn't know that there was a business, even though obviously movies are getting made. Um, I was kind of like, oh, I could do this. And in terms of studio side versus producing, I kind of think of them as like two sides of the same coin. Like I worked for producers because I originally came out here wanting to produce. And then when I got to the studio, what I originally liked about being there six years ago was that we got to work on a lot of different kinds of things. Now we're working on a lot of tent poles, so big movies. <laughs> but we, but originally it was like, and now I still do get to work on like family films in addition to fantasy films, sci-fi. So I like the ability to work on a lot of genres. And I think a lot of producers, unless they're very, very prolific, have to focus on a, on a niche or a genre. Uh, so that was how I got into the studio side, aside from the, it's like staying in producers. Yeah, and also I guess you get, <clears throat> I mean, you, and you also know you're making movies. Whereas yes. producers never get that guarantee. Yes, that is nice. Unless they have a whole lot of money. Yes, <laughs> agree. Right. It is nice to be making something. Yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> well then, how uh, easy slash difficult is it to get yourself into a studio job? What's that like? Uh, it's very difficult. I mean, getting getting. I mean, when you say hand holding on the thing, what does that involve? I mean, what? I, I think it's also well. Okay, two different things. Getting into the studio side as an assistant is same as getting out in on every every level. Getting promoted from an assistant. What happened was I they had not promoted any assistants to executive in the past five years prior to me getting it, getting the promotion. I interviewed. I I read scripts, did notes and lists on it on both projects interviewed with seven VPs, which is an intense grilling situation where they're like trying to poke holes in your ability to do it. And when I finished, two months later, all I'm still working as if this isn't there, they're like, we love you, you're so great, but you're too green. We, you haven't done the job, so you can't do the job. I was like, okay. Um, and I spent the next four and a half months, whenever any project draft came in, I would just send notes and be like, here are my notes, here are my notes, here are my notes, like, please listen to me. And then when I was looking to leave and get a, got another job offer, then got the like, oh wait, we don't want you to leave. Um, they, still, they still hadn't hired anyone in, the, in those six months. It was just like, poor, the three other poor executives were just being piled upon and needed help. So um, in terms of staying and why, why I, in working at Warner Brothers and in any studio, there's a lot of regime changes. Yeah. So that's where I liken it to keeping your hand on the car the longest. Because Warner Brothers has gone through one in the six years that you've been at Warner Brothers, haven't they? Three regime changes? Right. Two real one. Well, one big one, right. two small ones. Right. So, how's that? You, well, well let, let me, before we go into that, because the politics, <laughs> the politics is one thing. I would like to know what your day-to-day -day job is. 
what do you do day to day? And then we'll get into, I know politics plays a part in that, so that's when we'll segue into that. Day to day are either staff meetings. So today, my Monday was spent in a staff meeting where we talk about the things that we were reading over the weekend, whether it was for production packaging discussions, notes discussions, um, title titles of things that were like, do we still want to develop this? Or are we going to let it go? Or um, we have someone interested in this title. What do we want to play with it? Um, so that's like a staff meeting. And then the rest of my day will either be spent in like meet and greets with writers and actors and directors that I liked their work and I'm like, hey, how do we figure out how to work together? Um, project meetings of pitches or notes meetings or phone calls to producers, you know, saying your script is due in two weeks, so we're gonna have it before this possible strike, right? Thank you. <laughs> um, and so, those kinds of phone calls, phone calls with business affairs, dealing with uh, various levels of issues, whether it's chasing rights, chase, making sure deals are closed, wanting to commence someone, so why haven't the producer's deals closed? Like, please get on that. Um, that kind of business, calling agents on open writing assignments, saying, you know, who do you have that can write this? Uh, talking to all like it's all happening and then also writing notes watching new cuts watching dailies if I have a movie in production um, giving my getting my notes out on that and turned around you know t fielding incoming pitches on things and then what do you do after lunch uh, <laughs> how, how many would you say how many projects I mean it sounds like you're doing a lot of plate spinning yes how yes. many plates would you have spinning at any one time like how many different projects would you have at some so, stage. So the, the interesting thing is like four years ago when I was first an executive, first made an executive, like A, they were understaffed so I got thrown a lot of things, but I had about 60 projects, Holy plate yeah. spinning. Um, and what's interesting in the shifts and also the changes in the industry and how studios have to make movies now, like 30. Because 30 in that I am, that I look at and I'm like, okay, all of these are in some serious level of activity. I see a path to production for them. We used to have, we just used to take, A, there used to be more money spent on development. So we would we would develop something that it was like, this could work, I don't know. And now there's a lot more scrutiny on it. Like, you know, we have to have a pretty clear path to like, do I see this? What, how do I see this? You know, where's the, where's the, you know, plan of action for it? And I think there were, there were quite a few more books that we would take shots on, articles we would pick up and develop, and now it's, it, you have to have a pretty like clear focus and, and the belief that it will reach a very big audience, that it has the chance to break out. We used to be able to make mid-sized dramas, we can't, like just can't do them. Um, tele Why not? Television's doing it too well. Ah. And uh, so people don't really want to go to the theater to see it. And because of the fallout of the home entertainment window for us, theatrical releases are so important. Like that's where we make our money. Um, so it, it has to succeed in the theater. And if it doesn't succeed in the theater, we, we struggle with it. Um, so that would mean the... Uh... And even if it has a movie star. Like I used to be like, maybe you can do it if you get Leo. 
still Leo, but like we used to be like, maybe we do it if you get Johnny Depp. And now I'm like, I don't know if Johnny Depp can carry it. Robert Downey Jr. can't carry it. Like, people want to see movie stars in the movies that they want to see them in. Okay. Not in everything. Whereas they used to want to. Yes, like you could sell like there are like they talk about days. It's like we you could put Mel Gibson and Kevin Costner in anything and people would just go. That movie <laughs> would make money, and that's not the case anymore. You see it. I mean, like every single movie star has had something tank. You know, whether it's Will Smith, Johnny Depp, with the exception of Leo, but he's just very choosy and doesn't make that many movies. So it sounds like, I mean, who, <clears throat> uh, from the outside looking in, it feels like movies uh, aren't necessarily being commissioned anymore by the creative side of things. It's it, there seems to be a big hand in the in the marketing and the. I mean, how are we going to? Is that? I mean, what's the influence? What's the balance like in terms of how are we going to sell this thing versus this is a story that needs to be told? Well. I would say the, the the it's not like the marketing people are holding the gate. They're not the gatekeepers right. to a creative. They're not sitting there saying we can sell this. You should make it. They're not doing that. They're not doing that, but they're also not there at the inception of the idea, saying like I don't get it. No. So we have the opportunity if if a creative executive believes in the the viability of the project, we will fight for it. You know, and we'll try and figure out how to get people around us to fight with us um, at the studio. But it's not, I get, I do think. Only because you were talking about it has to reach a mass audience. It does have so. to reach a mass audience. I mean, I'm thinking uh, it now is a factor in my brain and um, Alan Horn, who is very successful at his job, um, he's running Disney in case people don't. Um, <laughs> Didn't he used to run? He did used to run yeah. Warner Brothers. So he's a lovely, lovely man. He has said, and I've taken it to heart, that like movies have to, you have to see them big or you have to see them now. So it is, and potentially both. So it's like, if you're big and now, great, Beauty and the Beast, make it a billion dollars. <laughs> but like, if it's not, you have to see it on a giant screen and it's not, I have to see it now. And when I call my sister and I'm like, I'm working on this movie or I saw this movie, she's like, do I need to see it or can I Netflix it? I'm like, like I don't want to answer that, you know. I want her to be like, no, you have to go to the theater. You have to, you have to go see it. Um, so that's kind of the two questions you're trying to answer. And where I see it is like the big, it's the spectacle, it's the scope, and hopefully you have good characters and heart and story within it. Um, and it's not just spectacle for spectacle's sake. All of that happens. Um, it, it, it is the get-outs and the splits and the hidden figures that are tiny, like tiny budget-wise, right. but they have breakout potential because there's a really good concept, so we're looking for concept, or um, like there's a twist that it's like someone's going to ruin it for you if you don't go see it, so you need to go see it immediately. Um, or it's just like in the cultural zeitgeist, so people want to go see it immediately. But that's kind of how, that's how I would think of it in terms of the marketing affecting the movie. But it's not like the marketing people are in my pitches saying like, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'll turn it over to you guys in a second. I have one question because there are uh, a whole bunch of frustrated writers in this room. Uh, I mean, it, it's, it's always fascinating to me when I, when I do talk to lovely studio executives, executives like you, the amount of time you spend talking to people saying, I need writers. Uh, what do you got? And then we, from the outside, looking in, it's like, why are they still going to the same knuckleheads who have written scripts that suck? 
Uh, and then the answer is, well, because they have agents and they have representation and they have a track record and there's all these reasons. And it's like, who, where, I mean, how does that shift? Yeah, I mean, how, how do you break you, into it? Yeah, and, and do you find yourself getting the same names pitched to you and you're like, uh, okay, or you, I mean, do you go out and look on your own and you find the representation, you know, the representative of that person saying, hey, we liked your short film, or, I mean, how would you, if you were speaking to a room full of frustrated writers, hypothetically speaking, <laughs> what, what would you say in terms of how they can get a script of theirs on anywhere near your studio? Um, representation is important. So, and, and not just... Uh, and this is the trick, because like, how do you know? Uh, it's like, I listen to people I trust first. So it's like, here's the thing, there are people that deliver in terms of, even if they don't fully execute on, like, this is the other, this is horrible, this is horrible and true. I will think, it, depending on where the project is, I'll think about people in terms of like, okay, I need someone that can do like a dialogue pass, but doesn't necessarily need to focus on structure. I need someone that I can like break a story, but if they can't nail the characters, I'll get someone else to do that. Like I'm constantly like moneyballing my writer situation in terms of like who's the right person for the right thing at the right time. So I might have a big idea project where it's like Minecraft. There's no story. So like, I don't need someone, I would love, I mean, I'd love someone that can nail all of it, but it's very hard to find someone to do that. So instead I'll be like, who are the five big idea people? I'll be like, okay, this person, this person, this person can all do, have all cracked a story. So you go to those people first and you say like, what would you do with this? Um, you know, do you have a big idea behind it? And, and like, what's the theme, what's the message, and they can kind of like arc out something very haphazardly that I immediately am like, it's a movie. Um, but to be candid, I find you, we go to people that can do that, that we know can do it, that we have worked with before because it's a shorthand. Like I, I have a quick back and forth between them saying like, I need this, and they can be like, blah, 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 here are five ideas. I'm like, great, thank you. Um, even if they're not gonna write it, even if they're like, gonna halfway write it. Um, the, the way to, to, representation is key in that when I have something open that's not the 10 names, you know, that it's like, we're going to these 10 people first. Like there are, there are universal lists, there are Fox lists, there are Warner's lists. It's like, you can guess the short list of who's gonna be on it. If you want to break into that, there are, couple of ways it's like having an agent that a few people around town trust it's like getting buzz does help so it's like if you are red and get on a blacklist like that helps you will get generals and you will end up getting put on something you know uh, from that blacklist buzz um, it's like I have certain certain managers and agents that I think have better taste or they know me and they don't send me stuff that they know I won't like. Um, and it's just you have a shorthand with, and each executive has different people that they trust. So it's like not like one is the right person. It's just like there are certain younger, I would say like even the young hungry agents are the ones you want to get because they're the ones that are going to fight for you the most. It's not necessarily, like as you get higher up, you know, depending on what you want to be writing, yes, you need a power agent on your team. But when you're trying to break into it, you want the young, hungry agents who are going to be like, you have to read this person. I know you're going to like them. And it's like, there are, 
people, whether it's a uh, UTWMA, Verve is really great at breaking talent right now. Um, like the, the various management companies, it, it matters getting reps and having those people call. Right. Um, I, um, yeah, because I also, when I first came here 20 years ago, I thought that, because <clears throat> I'm, I'm good dialogue. So I, uh, and story was always my like, nah, yeah, but I just want them talking. And I always thought, I'll write my first script, it'll get sold, and then I'll be hired to just beat up dialogue. And then, uh, because that's what I do, and I, get, I go and see movies, it's like, on 20, if you'd given me this script for 20 minutes, I would have made it less sucky. Um, but I didn't think that happened anymore. I was like, I didn't think that. Oh, we do dialogue punch-ups. Really? Yeah, you, you, yeah. You, got, you people change in a room that you give them the script and say, give me dialogue. Yeah. Right. Usually it's off. We don't do the punch up until it's like greenlit. Right. And then the problem with that. So is they'll, green, they'll, they'll green light a movie that the characters are mumbling gibberish to one another. <laughs> not gibberish. No, not gibberish, but you know what I mean. Like, you know, this, this could be better, but here's $150 million. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the cheery thought for the day. Uh, so, uh, well, no, but I mean, like, it happens where it's like, yeah. You know, com comedies in particular get dialogue punch-ups. Um, right. So it's like we're doing one tomorrow that's like a comedy punch-up on on uh, a script that's about to start shooting. So it's like that definitely happens. But what I will say is is that when you're at that level and it's greenlit and you want a dialogue punch-up, they're going to the people that are like, who's riding on Silicon Valley this season? Let's get them in the room. <laughs> like that's, that's what they think of, you know? Right. It's like, who are the hot writers that we've read something really funny of theirs um, that feels right to bring in? Well, Sean's available. <laughs> so, um, does anybody have any questions? Because I know we're running short. I've, I've gone over because I'm greedy. Does anybody have any questions for Kay? This is your opportunity. Anybody? Sir? Yeah, um, as a recent graduate from film school, unfortunately. Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> what would you, you, you kind of suggested film festivals as a way to kind of get buzz around you. Um, my cynical thought is like, these are insanely competitive film festivals. Like, these are people that have been writing for 30 years that get like, that win them. Is there, festivals or like some other ways to generate buzz about yourself because that's not the case with the blacklist okay. like it's I mean yes there are some people that have had blacklist scripts that are people that are very established but there are also people that have written four scripts um Sean went the blacklist route he he you didn't have any pre really I mean blacklist was what uh, broke you for TV yeah, yeah TV. so you can do TV and features on that on that yeah. website yeah um and then they there is something called the blacklist but they have a whole program now where it's like you can get people to read your scripts, and and I know that agents and managers are like major managers in particular scan the ones that they're looking for the ones that are getting highly rated by the readers. So like you could get representation that way if you get onto the list. Like um, it's really about having your script passed around uh, in terms of generating buzz. Film. I guess it depends on if you if you're looking specifically for writing or if you're looking for directing. Right. Um, yeah, it's about entering competitions. There's a few. I mean, I, you know, there's the there's the top ones. You know, there's like Nichols the, Prize. There's the Nichols Prize blacklist, the launch pad that the training tracking board tracking is board, running. Yeah. Um, if you're a horror writer, there's the blood list. Um, so like, there there are different 
competitions to look out for. Yeah. All right. Anyone else? Before we eat more cookies and go home. Uh, Sean has a question. Sean has a question. <laughs> Do you see um, features going more in like writing room style, where there's you hire like four writers and have them crank out like almost like a TV show, or do you see it still the same? We've done both. I've witnessed both. Um, we hired a room on Minecraft uh, when we were doing it. Um, that was different though from the Transformers room, which was intentionally trying to like come up with five different movie ideas. So mine was like trying to crack one movie and then it will have the lead writer. Um, I have mixed feelings about it. I think people will continue to try it and see if it works. Um, it really, like a, a movie kind of requires singular vision, which hopefully is coming from the filmmaker and, and working in, in collaboration with writer writers I, I think if there's a reason to be doing a room it's like either specific towards breaking story on a larger level or um, the punch-ups that we talk about but it's not I, I like this is my opinion so not like the end-all be-all <coughs> sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't so I think people will continue to try it but I don't think it's gonna replace like one writer or two like a writing team being the sole focus at any one time. Good question. Greg, you left your glasses here, by the way. I know, I'm good. Um, do you find that, because I've noticed in the last few years, there's a lot less spec set that have been going on, and now the TV is kind of proliferated, do you find that the industry, the film industry, is starting to shift a little bit more back to buying specs or do you I mean do you think we'll get back to that place where there will be that kind of I don't I mean I don't think the the spec market will ever exist in the way that it did 15 20 years ago like it was just so different and and we were able to make so many more movies and we're still making movies but they're almost I think the difficulty is and, and I understand this and it's also different in the indie space because I think more specs can get made in the indie space but at the studio level like we're so focused on title and brand and is there an immediate sell so I understand not wanting to write it it's like what's the point of writing a spec script for a DC character because a we control it B we probably won't read it because we don't want to get sued and like so so I understand why writers aren't specking like um, because it's not it's not like it's not like a lot of specs are getting made you know and it's a different, the sale is great, and you could have a big sale, but it's not like that often that I see spec scripts getting made um, at the studio level. There are some getting made, there's some getting made at the Indian indie level and then picked up for distribution. Um, so it's like, there's that possibility of, of landing, but I, I don't think it's gonna come back um, in the way that it used to exist. But it might be wrong, just depends on I mean, we, the truth is I read a lot of, this is the other thing, because of our development spend, like going from 60 to 30, like if a spec isn't pretty much there and like really good conceptually, I don't want to waste my, my limited money that I get to spend in a year on that. So it's like we're picking up fewer shots. Uh, 
So it's like there used to be a lot more shots taken because you're like, maybe we can we can maybe package this and turn it into something. It'll be really cool. And because we bought so many of those long ago, I have a whole long list of them sitting on the shelf. <laughs> and people are like, hey, we have, we have like, Melissa McCarthy and Amy Schumer want to be in a movie together. I'm like, well, we have these five titles that we like own from spec scripts from all ago, and we can like update them, dust them off. Look, hey, pretty, here we go. So I'm more likely to go to those that I already have than trying to find something new. All right, two more quick ones. The uh, lady with her hand in the air. Um, I just wanted to know, you mentioned about um, there were some cool indie films that I just wanted to know, because I'm more of an indie feature writer, so I just wanted to know what kinds of indie films are moving you right now. Uh, I loved Arrival, which is like technically, you know, like kind of between. Um, I thought Sing Street was really great and Hunt for the Wilder People. And um, I gravitate towards so like a big worlds because I like fantasy sci-fi that shows something about the human condition um, and then movies that have like a good message and hope because there's a lot of shit in the world so it's like we need something <laughs> to make us feel good um, so that's why like I like I liked those movies and then like one of my favorites in the past few years was Ex Machina so it's just like oh. yeah. Alex Garland so last one uh, so I'm a full neophyte, but I have a, a Finnish World War II female-centric feature, and I'm not, would I try to go to female representation or producers, or just focus on the genre of World War II, to, to bring it out, I guess? I don't really know what that process looks like. So. I would say World War II movies and space movies and everything hits cycles. So you'll hit a, you might hit a cycle where people are like, you gotta like history's not working, period's not working. We're not picking them up anymore. So then you're kind of like, mm, nothing happened. Um, and yeah, a vampire movie wouldn't get sold today. No, no, they, they got done. No, but YA is kind of out now, with you know like some exceptions if it's a really cool um, hooker idea. But even it, because why is not working? It's the other thing. Young people aren't going to the theaters. So like, the, all of those coming of age stories that you used to be able to make some money on, like, mm-mm. <laughs> like, sell to Netflix. Uh, they'll make it. Right, so um, make movies for us old people. Yeah, sell it, sell it to YouTube. Yeah. Um, but like, we, Coming of old age. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's breaking Grace. Grace Franking? <laughs> yes. Alice, I don't even know. Um, Isn't there a movie out now with a bunch of old people? Zach Brack directed. Yeah. Yes, going in style. Yeah. New Line released it. Warner Brothers. Hey, yeah. hey. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, in terms of World War II movies, I think when you say that it's female driven, my immediate instinct is like, do you have a way to get? Jennifer Lawrence or Margot Robbie or like one of their agents to read it and partner with them to produce it and go that route. Like that's how I would try to package it. Um, there's some there's some producers that mean something, you know, in terms of straight producers and not talent-based producers, um, but they're few and far between. Uh, and so talent focused. If it's be, if you're leading with, if you're leading with female-driven, yes, talent focused. Um, if it's more about the execution of the film, then it's filmmaker. Um, I would say 
we're less, well, we're also in a weird period right now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, because, because like, uh, like yeah. elephant in the room, like because of the looming writer strike, we are looking at old scripts that we have that we're like, okay, we don't need anybody to write on this. We can maybe like package it up, dust it off, and like get it going. And normally, I would say, we're not really looking to do World War II movies. And if we are, it's because Christopher Nolan is directing Dunkirk, and you're like, holy shit, this is going to be amazing. But it's not, It's not like, I don't look for World War II movies. I, I was developing a couple of historical periods when I had those 60 projects, and like they go away. Because audiences just don't go to see them. And for every, you know, for every amazing World War II movie, you have an ally, like, that was expensive and didn't make any money. So like that, that we, we shy away from them. So like I would go actress first, but I would say even that is not gonna guarantee you getting it made. Two quickies, uh, are we gonna have a writer's strike, you reckon? <laughs> <laughs> are we gonna have a writer's strike? <laughs> <laughs> we have a, we have a room full of scabs here, we'll write anything. Really. <laughs> uh, and, um, and two, do you slash the studio, um, and I know we're saying a little bit late, um, do you see an end to the obsession with comic books and superhero movies? Or are, we, are you living in, in that this is a perpetual future? Is there, a, is there any discussion in Warner Brothers about what are we going to do when people don't want to see comic book anymore? No. <laughs> I will find, here's what I... It, it, you look, we look for IP that has built-in saleability, and it depends on the leadership and what they're looking at. Um, you know, I was, it was like when J.K. Rowling was like, we're gonna make five Fantastic Beasts movies, we're all like, what? Okay. <laughs> I'm like, my, my, my dark mind is like, and we're gonna keep milking that cash cow. Because um, we just planned for three. I'm sure higher-ups knew, I just didn't. Um, and so we look to established brands and when we own a company and it is a long library of comic books, we're looking to those in terms of things that we control that, um, don't have to pay, we don't have to pay a lot of money. Oh, sorry, no, it was, it was more about whether or not the audience is going to tire of it. I wonder whether or not, whether, that, that day must come. Um, we, we, we must get to a point where like ah, yeah no the other thing that I will say is that we look like a year in advance and are counting on people to still going to those movies even though like what are we talking about and, and the other thing that I will say though is that if you give the, what I look for in these opportunities is like how do we sneak in a Goonies like how do we make a comic book movie a Goonies right so like how do we get those old like those fun cool movies into the IP you know, and and but right now, and here's where the marketing comes in. They're like, we can sell this, so that's kind of how we're thinking about it. And and rather short-sightedly, we don't have people being like, I think the audiences are getting tired. <laughs> right. And also with the success, when you look at how well Fast Eight does, they're clearly not. Although arguably, you're like, okay, it's done, right? It's done. Right. It's done. Sure. Sure, sure. I mean, I mean, They're yeah. going to get in cars again. Yeah. I mean, but... Yeah. All right. Uh, we need to go. Uh, thank you so much to Kate, everyone.
You've been listening to Kate Adams, production executive at Warner Brothers Pictures. If you're a writer of spec scripts, hoping it's your path into the studio system, well, okay, the news isn't great. But don't give up. Good writing is good writing. And if your script is good, hopefully it'll generate some buzz. And then who knows what happens next? That's all for now. We'll be back soon with another interesting insider. Meanwhile, if you'd like to submit a script, join us for our next live read event, attend one of our popular workshops, or get some personal script help from me, check out our website, livereadla.com, for all the details. I'm Tim Schulberger. Thanks for listening. Now get back to writing. <laughs>